Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Uh, Today we have Karen here and Karen wrote to us saying that she's working through some issues around, I guess, feeling worthy of having a healthy relationship. And she wanted to kind of talk through that with us. So Karen, why don't you take us through kind of what you're thinking, what's coming up for you, um, some of the context around that. So I would say in the last year, I've definitely decided that dating was a thing I wanted to do. And it's been kind of a hard concept because as I was a single mom, I didn't really date during that time. And so now that my son's 21 and moved out of the house and I have my daughter part-time, I felt like it was a good time to kind of start dating. And I've kind of dated a lot of people this year. And then I've had two relationships and I'm on my third relationship right now. And they've kind of been back to back, which has been really awkward for me because usually I take a break in between relationships. Mm. But yet I still struggle with the feeling of um, I'm worthy of a relationship. I deserve a healthy relationship. I've been in a lot of abusive relationships through my life, including growing up in an abusive family. So this is a whole different world to be with somebody currently that's mentally healthy and working on himself on a regular basis. And so sometimes I have to check myself but I don't get super anxious in this relationship either. So then that kind of scares me at times too. Like, am I missing something? Am I not thinking about something? Hmm, Am I not communicating? So it almost feels like you should be feeling that way because that's kind of what you're used to feeling. Absolutely. All the Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. And so I question myself or I question if I'm just too comfortable in this situation. And, um, and then again, it was, you know, I've dated all these not so good relationships in the last year. And so this is a totally different concept. And sometimes I wonder if I'm not good enough for this relationship because he is healthy Mm. and working on himself, which is the new world for me being a recovering codependent. Yeah. I think this is such an important point that you're bringing up Karen and something that we talk about so much, which is, you know, when I have grown up with a fair amount of chaos, um, even sometimes a fair amount of trauma and hurt, that is my sort of baseline, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is what I know. That is what feels normal to me a lot of times, right? So as we sort of start to shift um, into a healthier space of being in relationship and just like really being with ourselves, it feels strange. It feels like something's off here. This feels like something that um, I haven't experienced before. And so we can start to like, look for things. We can start to look for like, there must be something wrong. There must be something either wrong with me or wrong with this person, or um, just almost look for ways to sometimes even self-sabotage a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because it feels like something's got to be wrong here, or even the discomfort of something different feels like something we can't tolerate, right? Like healthy feels difficult to tolerate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's um, definitely a new concept for me being that, you know, I, have had two really bad marriages. Mm. And um, like I said, I really haven't dated much. 
being that my son's 21 and autistic, it's been a journey for me for sure to be a mom first. And mm-hmm. um, I don't really know how to date is something I've said a lot in the last several months because um, I just don't feel comfortable dating multiple people at a time. I don't have enough time to do that. And then I don't feel comfortable doing that either. And so I invest all my time into one person. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a whole different world too that this person wants to be in a relationship with me and not be with anybody else. Cause my previous relationship, um, was dating other people and I didn't know that. And so that was hurtful too. So it's just been a lot of the hurt around dating and then, you know, the investment of time and communication and it's a lot. Mm. Yeah. You know, something that you said before really stuck with me where you said, it's different or it's I'm paraphrasing, but like it's different or it's weird or it's uncomfortable that you're dating this person who has done a lot of their own work and is, you know, showing up and they're, it sounds like they're, they're really digging in and they're doing this stuff on themselves. And I want to ask, is that how you see yourself? Mm. Love that question, B. That I'm doing my own work. Oh, absolutely. I've been working on myself really hard over the last couple of years. I decided mm-hmm. Um, a couple years ago that I needed to lose my fat suit per se. And that was, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, I was extremely overweight. I had a lot of health problems and I knew I needed to start taking care of me. So I started working on myself from the inside out because I knew that was the only way I was going to heal. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I definitely have hiccups, obviously, because it's tough to know what is healthy after living toxic for so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess where I was going with that too, is then to say, okay, so if we know, not know, like you said, you're not perfect. I mean, who is right. Um, But if we know that, yes, I am also doing the work. I am also showing up for myself. You know, I'm not perfect, but I'm doing, I'm doing it every day. I'm doing my best. Um, That sounds a lot like how you described him. Hmm. And so I'm wondering what part of you doesn't feel like that's actually kind of meeting your match. Cause I don't know what my match is. I've never had a match. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, the reason I love your question so much V is that I think this happens so often when we are doing a lot of work, when we mm-hmm. are healing, we don't give ourselves the opportunity to sort of catch up to where we are, right? Like we're still operating as if we were the person that we've always been. And there's a lot of power in our language. And I want to point out even a couple of the things you said that really sort of like grabbed onto me. Like, I don't know how to date. I always date toxic people. There's power in those statements, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a way to sort of reframe the same statement. It's like, I'm learning to date in a more Mm -hmm. healthy way. I'm learning to make better choices in terms of the men that I choose for myself, right? It really gives us a different way of one, stepping into the space that I am now authentically versus living in the past of what I've, you know, experienced before. But also it's sort of that like act as if, and then mm-hmm. we catch up, right? Like we have to start giving ourselves space to view ourselves as we want to be, not the person that we've always been. And, you know, to V's point, you are doing the work, you are showing up. Like we, we need to give ourselves a little bit of credit for, for where we are now. But right. Cause you're not going to keep learning and growing if you're dating the guys who aren't also doing the work, right? So there's a part of you that drew this person in, that was attracted to this person who who basically said, okay, it's time, right? It's Mm. time to level up. It's time to take this next step. We're not talking about whether or not this works out or not. Like nobody knows that, right? But at this moment right here, there was something in your psyche and probably something in his that said, okay, this is where I need to be next. 
Um, mm. and, and I don't think that would have happened if it was just him doing the work, right? Like to Danae's point, like you are who you are now, not who you were back then. Otherwise, I don't think he would have been attracted to you. Yeah. Guessing, you know? Yeah. It's a hard reality to level up. It's, it's different. It's unknown. It's, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's a new beginning. It's a new start. It's a new understanding. It's a new, oh yeah, this is who I am, or this is what I do, or this is how I handle this, or, you know, and I've done it all by myself to have somebody else to communicate. Even when I'm quiet because I'm processing something to have to, oh yeah, that's right. I have to communicate with him that I'm processing and it's okay that I'm quiet right now. And it's okay that, you know, I'm being quiet because this is how I function and having to communicate that is a different world too. But that's part of my leveling up too, as I've learned myself who I am and and um, how to think deeper on better decisions and understanding instead of being impulsive in the ADHD me. Mm. And also not apologizing because what you were just saying, it's like, right, I had to communicate it, but also this is just part of who I am. Like there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with how I process. It's just how I process. As long as I'm mm -hmm. taking them along for the ride and I'm not kind of shutting them out while I'm doing it, there's something wrong with it. And so it sounds like that's also where you're at too, is you're starting to realize that there's, these are just the components of you. Um, and sharing them with a partner just means you share them with a partner. You let them in on the secret, you know? Yeah. And that's very different for me because I don't, I haven't in the past let somebody in to understand that. And so, um, not apologizing for who I am, but understanding and explaining that and sharing that, I guess not even explaining, but sharing that with somebody else. Mm -hmm. This is how I function. This is what I need. This is what I want you know, these are my dreams and goals. This is my ambition. This is how whatever is been a different world to have somebody supportive in that as well. Did you catch what she did, Danae? She said, I don't. And then she stopped and she said, I haven't in the past. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> I looked at you. I was like, mm. yeah, but you know, and how does it feel Karen, as you start to like play with like shifting language and acknowledging the growth and the shifts that have taken place within me? It's hard at times to be honest. I mean, again, it's part of the hiccups. Sometimes there's the hiccups that I catch on to. I like to think that I'm uh, positive most of the time and moving forward all the time, but there's some days that are harder than others, but that's the way life goes. And it is that stopping and thinking and being mindful and being in the moment. And I really try to appreciate this relationship for where it's at and not think too far ahead. Yeah. I'm really glad that you spoke to the hard because I think that that is something we don't talk about enough is that we can be really resistant to embodying our growth, stepping into our power. It's like that Marianne Williamson quote, right? Our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we're powerful beyond belief. And that is a very real fear for the human psyche that I can do anything, that I am all powerful because once I'm aware of that, I got to do something about it, right? Like mm -hmm. I got to start embodying that in the way I'm living. Yeah. And so I think we can be really comfortable in the narrative I've held all this time about this is just what I do. This is just the way I am. We all do it. Mm -hmm. But once we're aware, we catch ourselves and it's like, you know what? That's actually not true anymore. I've been doing a lot. And there's actually a lot of ways that I am self-aware and I am speaking to my needs. And it's not what it was all those years ago. Things have changed for me. For sure. And, and I do know there is stuff I hold back on still, but it's, I think more so the trying to find the understanding myself to be able to communicate 
some of that growth that I've had and that dynamic of understanding for myself before I can communicate it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. So, you know, this is a new person, obviously, and you're kind of, you're getting to know each other. So you're sharing different levels of yourself with him and vice versa. And the way you just said that made me feel like there's like, are you, do you feel like you're struggling to articulate it to yourself and thus you're struggling to articulate it to him? Is that how I heard it? Yeah, I would say that's for sure because it's, um, I feel like at times it's the dynamic of, I need to understand this or why I, I don't want to say chose that path, but I can't think of another Like why right you now. function the way you function or do something the way you do something, like something like that. Yeah. Or why I've chosen that in the past or why that felt good to me in the past. Or, you know, because he said to me before, well, if this is what you like, then that mm. I don't understand why you're with me if that's what you're used to. So trying mm. to understand why I picked that in the past and why I'm picking better now and having that communication, mm-hmm. I think is me trying to understand, okay, why did I choose that? Why did that feel good in the past? But now I don't want anything to do with that. And I want this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, a lot of the work of that is naming it and saying it to that person out loud. I feel like V, this is something you speak to a lot that has really been helpful in, I don't know, like helping me certainly articulate for myself and for others that like, we don't have to know, we can just sort of like give ourselves the time to process in the moment. Like, okay, I'm feeling like really flooded. I, you know, like I can name for the person. I feel like maybe it's because what I have experienced is this, but you know, I'm noticing this, like really just like starting to like process and tangibly put words to Mm -hmm. the experience I'm having in this moment. What has felt familiar about this in the past. And, you know, like, it's like bringing that person in to your internal process. Yeah. I'm all about bringing them along for the ride. Right. Like I think a lot of us do this thing and I would say, especially codependents do Mm. this thing where we think like, you know, we've got to have it all together because we probably were the people who had it all together at some point, or at least we're convinced that we did. Right. Or convince other people that we did. And so the idea of letting somebody in on the process while we're trying to understand or articulate or make sense of something is really um, tricky and uncomfortable for people who do tend to have that like a little bit more perfectionism thing. You know, I've got my shit all together and that's just not reality. And you're moving past that, right? So you've you're, you said you've done a lot of work on the codependency stuff, right? Like you're a recovering codependent. Part of that recovery is reminding yourself that you have to let him see you when you don't have it all figured out. So letting him be there as you're figuring it out. And this is actually a great way to see what kind of relationship this is, like what kind of legs it has, right? Is he somebody who you feel safe kind of thrashing around in that in front of, right? Mm -hmm. Is he somebody that you feel safe and comfortable asking for his opinions? Um, Or like, what do you feel about this? Like, as I'm thinking about this, I don't know, how do you feel, you know? Um, And so what do you, how do you feel, I guess, when Danae and I talk about this idea of like bringing somebody in on the work versus giving it to them in a pretty bow? So I agree with that, especially in the fact that he's been doing his own work and I feel he has a better understanding of what that work means. Mm -hmm. And so him being supportive to understand, 
I think is important. And his fluctuation in codependency, I think, too, gives him an understanding of that. Not knowing my past completely, he can give empathy, but I guess I'm fearful of the here's all my vomit. Here you go. Right. So Danae and I talking about you bringing him in on the moment and processing in front of him led you to, I'm going to give him all of my vomit, Mm -hmm. which is not the same thing, but feels like the same thing. This is the same idea, right? Like having needs doesn't make us needy. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to have a past. You're allowed to be different than you were then. You're allowed to have accepted things about yourself, to have changed, to have worked through things, to all of these things. And putting it out there doesn't mean that you're vomiting on somebody. Mm-hmm. It means that you're human and you're complex. Thank God. Mm-hmm. And P.S. So is he, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like so often right. what I feel like you just spoke to is how often we feel like I need to present the complete package in order to be worthy of love. But nobody has a complete package. That's what we're all doing. We're all just bozos on the bus, continuing to wade through this thing called life, doing the best that we can. And, you know, I feel like we speak to this a lot, right? Like it's not so much about like completing yourself and then you're ready for love. Like mm-hmm. so much of love is the battlefield. It's the it's yeah. the rich soil for doing this work, right? Like we get to do it together. And when we're with someone, it's like, okay, time to put this stuff in practice now because it's inevitably going to get stirred up. We're going to both be bozos on the bus trying to wade through this and we're doing the best that we can. But it's not so much about like, I need to present something that's perfected because we're never going to perfect this thing. That's not what we came here to do. And if we're waiting for that, then we're never going to present it to somebody. Hmm. And we're never going to like be known or know anyone or have real intimacy. Or real love, which has been my issue my whole life is really, Mm -hmm. truly being loved to the core. I've never had that. I don't know what that's like. I don't know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. I'm learning that's to scary. feel that. I'm learning. I am learning to feel that. And it's amazing to have somebody that does unconditionally just support me right now. Mm-hmm. Scary, but it's mm-hmm. exciting at times too. Circling back to what Vanessa said a little while ago, it's not so much about the outcome of this relationship. It's about, I am learning to do vulnerability. Despite the fact that I have been hurt in the past, I am learning to love in a more open way. I am learning to allow, yeah, (laughs) hold space that I am worthy of that, right? That's deep. Mm. (laughs) That's a hard concept for me that I'm worthy of that. I think when we talk about big concepts um, or big kind of thoughts or feelings like, am I worthy of love? Mm -hmm. What's coming up for me is I think a lot of us do this thing where it's like, how do I, you know, I'm, I'm like rattling off some questions that I feel like I've heard in the past. It's like, how do I love myself enough? How do I know when I'm lovable? How do I, um, how do I become, how do I feel more worthy of love? There's these kind of huge questions that we ask ourselves and we want to know what the answer is to these questions. And there's not actual answers, which is frustrating. The answers Mm -hmm. actually lie in the very tiny, small, in the moment things that we choose to do that give us very subtle, but probably very powerful experiences that start to change the belief we have about ourselves that I'm not worthy. There is no such thing as what is the answer to how do I make myself feel more worthy of love? 
Rather, it's very subtle in the moment shifts until you just don't believe that anymore. But those shifts have to take place in you doing actions that are the uncomfortable opposite actions of the things you were doing before, which actually kept you in that narrative Mm. that you were unworthy of love. So if one of those things was, I've never been seen truly to my core. Yes. And because of that, there was probably part of you who never maybe even allowed that to be a possibility. For a good reason, I'm sure, right? We talked about this trauma, all the things that have happened, the bad relationships, but that's not where you're at now. So how do you change the behavior or how you're showing up to allow that part to be seen to prove to yourself a different narrative? Does that make sense? Like, I feel like I just threw a lot out there, but it's like, I'm kind of talking it out as it's coming to me. It's like, what is our part also in convincing ourselves of this narrative? It's like the language thing that Danae was saying, you know? You know what else I think is helpful for me as you say that, the or like how I'm envisioning it. So Vanessa and I are both yogis. Do you practice yoga at all, Karen? Have you ever practiced any no. yoga? Okay. You should practice well, some yoga. Have, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have, just but I do more mindfulness and, but I, and I've done yoga here and there, but it's not something consistent. I'm a runner. Sure. So I run. So I I think active. movement, right? Yeah. So you can yeah. like, you can uh, switch in running for what I'm about to say, but I think it's like incremental growth over time. Right. But I yeah. practice every day and it's not a linear process. The practice is continual. The running is continual, right? Like we're doing this forever. It's not so linear. It's like, I start here and there's a destination. Like, yes, there may be each day, but it's like more in the mindful practice of noticing, right? Like noticing what's coming up, noticing my feet as they're hitting the ground, noticing all four corners of each in between the toes on the pavement, like all of the little details that come up. This is me knowing my body, knowing myself, being in the practice of embodiment. That is the same as this work. We think a lot of times it's like this linear, like I'm going to arrive and everything is just going to change, but it's like, it's incremental over time. I'm like, oh, I'm able to run five miles where like in the beginning, I couldn't even run around the block. I'm sure you've experienced that thing where like all of a sudden I've surprised myself. And that is what this work is like. It's this continuous evolution, but it doesn't stop. And we continue practicing. We continue Mm -hmm. running. We keep doing whatever the thing is to continue evolving and growing in this process of knowing and accepting ourselves. But we got to just like get in there and do the work, you know? I agree. There's one thing I'm really thankful to with this relationship is that we have amazing communication. And that is, I mean, 190% of our relationship right now. Mm. Um, And so I am so grateful for the communication and the open communication about everything and the support of that unconditional communication. I can tell him anything and I know it's going to be okay. Mm. Beautiful. So he's giving you that sounding board. He's giving you that ability to roll around in what might have felt uncomfortable in the past, which is amazing. It's like communicating with my best friend. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And and it's communicating with my best friend every day, Hmm. which is exciting for me to have that part of the relationship too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And a little scary. Mm -hmm. because I can hear your voice yeah yeah 
It's that, you know, can I just let myself be where I am? Can I continue to come back to this moment? Not in the past of who I've been previously, not in the future of where this relationship could conceivably go. That's scary to think about, but right now in this moment, how are we doing? Can I communicate that? Can I really check in with how he is? Can we be in this deep space of present centered awareness with one another? Yeah. Different concept for sure. Hmm. And a hard one, even for those of us who have done the work, even for those of us who have like the mindful practices or whatever, right? I mean, we're humans. We snap back. It's very easy to fall into old habits and behaviors. And when we do, can we notice if we beat ourselves up or just say, you know what? I slipped today. That's all right. It's like running. Like, you know what? Today I didn't feel like running or today I couldn't run. And instead I ate a bag of potato chips. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not great. And it shit happens. Like I'm a human and tomorrow I'm going to lace up and go out, you know? Right. Whereas if like, instead it's like, I can't run today for whatever reason. And it's like, Oh, forget it. I'm not a runner. I give up. Right. It's a wash. Oh, I'm horrible. <laughs> I'm so lazy, you know? Yeah. It's like, you oh. know, wasn't there today. It's okay. I forgive me. Yeah. And definitely being able to communicate. I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. I screwed up. Sorry. We get to be human. Mm -hmm. Well, and also you're modeling for him that he's also allowed to be human in front of you. That's right. Right. So if you are showing him that you're willing to screw up in front of him, own it, apologize and keep moving, you're giving him that ability as well, which is beautiful. Um, and so, you know, I think that this is also something we don't think about. It's like, we're allowing those people to be authentic and be loved and be seen too, because we're allowing ourselves to do the same. Mm. We're trying to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the part too, as much as I try to be mindful and in today, I don't want to look too much into the future, but sometimes I want to dream into the future. And that's the part that gets scary because I try so much to be in today and not plan on the future, but you know there is part of that that we do have to talk about and consider at times. And that brings in a whole different world too, which is scary. And so you notice when it's coming up and you can even name that too. Like I feel myself wanting to like get lost in like where this is going and where this is heading. And I'm really working to bring myself back to this moment, but I don't beat myself up because that's where my head is going. I notice it. It's, it's that mindfulness practice of like, Ooh, I'm really wanting to start future tripping here. That's okay. I get to bring myself back or I get to name that for him and we get to process it together. You know, we or I get to be there. I get to go into the future. Right. And I get to let myself go there as long as I'm doing it and I'm paying attention and I'm mindful about it. And I'm watching what's coming up for me when I'm there. Hmm. Cause sometimes, you know, it's like the eating a bag of chips. Like sometimes you got to do it yeah, in order to come back to earth and go, Ooh, I don't know how I feel about that. That didn't feel so good. Or I don't know, maybe it did because maybe it started a conversation between you two about something you haven't had before. You know, it's the mindful piece to to Danae's point. It's like, whatever it is that you're choosing to do, are you going to do it mindfully? Hmm. Yeah. I think we can be so quick to pathologize ourselves, right? Like we all want to like make the, oh, this is the thing that I do, or this is the humanity within me that I am noticing and it's okay. I get to notice it. I get to be in this space of just observing. And yeah, I, I, I got lost in the future there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's growth. Regardless, yeah. it's growth. Absolutely. Well, Karen, I think, you know, 
I think your work is just to continue to acknowledge where I am in this moment, right? To bring myself back again and again and again. And really, I think, pay attention to the narrative of like what I'm saying to myself, the language that I'm using. Because I think as with so many of us, sometimes we're just not giving ourselves enough credit for where we are really, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to push you to notice when you feel the urge to come to him with something in a perfectly packaged presentation. Mm. Um, because in the moment of feeling uncomfortable or not having the answer or not having it understood or it's solved or whatever, that feels like too much for you. That feels like you're not worthy. That feels, you know, like you don't want him to see that side of you. Um, and if you can catch yourself in that moment, my challenge would be to actually put words to that to him in front of him. Here's what I notice. I want to actually end this conversation and go off and come back to you with a pretty package. And instead of doing that, can you sit here with me and let me work through this in a really ugly way? <laughs> okay. Challenge accepted. Good. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> well, email us and let us know how everything's going. Okay. Cause you know, we just want you to keep in touch. I appreciate that. And I appreciate this opportunity to be able to do this with you guys. Aww, appreciate you it. Take care. All right. Speak soon. Aw, that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. Good and, and very um, common, I guess. Mm. You know, I think I think I see so much, um, and I speak to this a lot in the classes I teach around codependency, where so many of us want the people that we're in a relationship with, especially when it's new, to see us in a certain way. And mm -hmm. so we will be... And it happens so quick that a lot of times we're not consciously choosing it, right? But in the moment, we want them to see us a certain way. And so we will filter out certain aspects of ourselves that are showing up or things that feel messy or um, emotions that feel maybe yucky or we don't think are you know pleasant for them to see. And we'll put them off to the side and then we'll go and we'll figure it all out by ourselves. And then we'll present ourselves back to them in a way that seems like they'll accept it more. And that's just not an authentic way to be in a relationship. Yeah. I love that you spoke to that. And I feel like it's just such a common thing that we do. We're not even realizing what we're doing, but there's this idea that in order to be worthy of someone's love, I need to be perfect, right? right. And how much do we forget that we are falling in love with another human who is imperfect, who right. has their own struggles, their own fears, all of their own stuff. And, you know, that the more that we allow ourselves to be seen as we truly are from the beginning, it's, it's almost like counterintuitive. We feel safer, right? Mm. It's like in therapy, right? Like the more that we like have these moments of rupture or struggle and then repair, the safer we feel with our therapist, right? Whereas if like we didn't show any part of ourselves to our therapist, we would continue to believe there's something wrong with me. My therapist ever knew that, then they would reject me. But once those mm. things are out there and your therapist is still like, Base and affirm that you're you're fine, you know, like then you feel safe with that person. And it's the same in our romantic relationships, you know? Mm, yeah. Like you said, it's so counterintuitive. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then like coming back around later and trying to show who we are after we've been together for a certain amount of time, that's even scarier, right? Mm. Because now we've got this kind of constructed persona. Um, and so trying to blow that up later, like it is a little bit more, um, 
you know, you're thinking further out, like I'm thinking long-term versus like short-term. It's like long-term gains versus short-term gains. In the moment, if I don't show myself, I'll ease some anxiety. I'll get to show up perfect. But in the long-term, what's it going to do, right? Um, I mean, it's a little bit of an analytical way to look at it, but to me, sometimes I have to, I have to ask myself these questions in my own struggle with my codependent stuff, right? Like, is this a short-term gain or is this really about my long-term happiness? Mm. Um, and challenge those decisions that I'm making in the moment in that way. Yeah. And I would wonder, even as you say that, if I am really feeling less anxious, right? Like as Mm. I'm presenting this version of myself that I feel like I need to, or that is the one that is lovable because I'm still sort of like feeling like, I got to watch that because if they see that, then there's a story I have about what they're going to feel about that. And I don't know, like internally though, do I really feel like I can deeply exhale in this person's presence? Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's a big one. And it would be, uh, my gut is saying that, especially when you're kind of new to your codependency work, there's actually very few people that you really feel like you can exhale around. Mm. So um, I'm not saying don't listen to your intuition on that because there's a certain amount of safety and stability that you want to feel in the presence of your partner. But also there's usually so many walls constructed, right? Because if you think about it, your primary caregivers did not give you that feeling of safety. And so what does that even mean, right? Yeah, such a very deep primal wound that it's almost like, uh, you have to kind of give that to yourself in a way. Um, mm. and you have to let this person show you if they can or not, like you've got to let them either step up or let them fail. Um, but you can't assume they're going to fail. And so keeping yourself blocked off yeah. from that risk. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that you said it like that. And I think it is such a practice of continuous self-compassion, right. You know, that, yes, I am imperfect and perfectly imperfect, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I am human. And that is exactly as I'm supposed to be, but you're right. Um, It is a practice and it is work to continuously be in relationship with ourselves to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to get it from other people. You know, sometimes you'll get Mm -hmm. to experience that in like very small bite sizes from say friends. um, And you'll get to experience internally what that feels like to be safe, to be held. And then you'll know for later, right? Then it becomes like this kind of stored body memory that Mm. you can tap into later and be like, well, but that, I know that feeling, that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. So sometimes it's a bit about practicing with other people, you know. Or maybe your therapist. Or maybe your therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hope you guys enjoyed it. It's It's a good topic and I think it'll be helpful to a lot of you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin.